Welcome to The Barkside, Veterinary Business and Leadership Unleashed, where we empower veterinary business owners and professionals like you to advance your private practice by leveraging the tools and strategies of big corporations. Welcome to The Barkside. Gerardo, good to see you again. How are you? Good morning, evening. Hello, everyone. Good to see you, mate. Likewise. So what do you want to talk about today? Topic that I don't want to talk about, which is essentially life. (laughs) Personal life. Now, this is what I mean. This is one of the things that I think my personal life, I do not do well. I don't never look at bank accounts. I basically go and buy things with my credit card and then when it goes to client, then I top it up. But uh, financial management practice and what's your take? The business owners that you've met, how from a scale of one to 10 on average, 10 being they're all over their finances and seven, you can't pick seven. What would be the kind of average kind of level of knowledge and skills you reckon when it comes to what they need to run a business around, and especially around the finances, finances, how prepared do you think they are or you know, how well do they know veterinary business finance? I don't know if you can do an average. It's like, it's, it's like an average temp- temperature of all the patients across the hospital. If we'll say that, it doesn't mean much. <laughs> so 30, 30, 38.9 Celsius. <laughs> exactly. So I think, I think I would say that seven out of 10 veterinarians probably are two to three out of 10 on the finance knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So not as not, they don't know enough. Yeah. I think, I think when you dive in and this, this is the most, unliked uh, topic by me as well, because I've tried to educate myself, not just myself, but I did school with accounting and finance and all of that stuff. But I can't say that it's my favorite or either I'm good at it. But I think there's a couple things that I realized that you really need to understand and practice if you're trying to build a veterinary clinic. So your, your basic stuff, at least you need to start with, well, actually, you know what, let's take a step back. Who needs to understand the financial aspect of the clinic in the veterinary hospital. Who do you think on the team has to understand that? I would think that the whole team needs to understand it to some degree because if they understand at least the major metrics and the whole magical game with the 100 coins, sometimes that whole 100 coin game really blows the team's minds because they think that the all the income that come, all the revenue that comes through just goes into the owner's pockets, right? So my take would be that, well, one, the business owner needs to know, but two, the whole entire team needs to know. So what do you think? Well, and then what's your take? I, I can't agree more. So th- this is the issue. Even if you understand the finance and what, what goes in and out and how do you manage your business, if you're not educating your team on this, then you're not going to get anywhere. So even if you know, you know, if, if you know what's the budget, what's there, the expenses, what they should be, how to dial in your cogs and all of those things, if you're the only one who knows and cares, then it's a futile exercise because how do you explain, how do you motivate your team with Mm. saying, Hey, our revenue is low. So what? Like, why, why does this matter? So, Mm. What we're doing at Galaxy, we practice a complete open book management. So essentially, not only I think everybody needs to know it, but we also educate everybody on it. And when you say that to some practitioners and say, yep, every assistant, every technician and receptionist knows what our revenue this month, what our expenses and what the profit is. Uh, A lot of people 
say this is none of their business. What do you think about that? I would have, okay, as a, as a veterinarian who then became a business partner, I was protective of somewhat the, the income that came through or the revenue that generate was generated. And then when the business was not so good, uh, which I took responsibility for, then we, we opened up the books to share. But then when things started to go good again, then all of a sudden the books start closing again. And what I feel is that it came down to the perception that, well, maybe it actually came down to the fact that I didn't know how to articulate where the money goes when it comes through the business. But maybe I didn't even have, I didn't have faith or give the chance to the team to be able to understand the flow of money. So it's kind of like I thought small of them already always thinking that they're going to be thinking that I'm making a buckload of cash and um, they're just working for me. So, but then I saw firsthand when we actually discussed the percentages of where things go and then what, what is left over. And I saw it actually because our CEO was, was talking about it and I could see their minds, I could see their eyes light up and it was almost like this epiphany that they, they finally just got told this piece of information that you know, made sense. Well, and that's that's a really good point. And I, I love the fact that you mentioned that, you know, when things are good, then books are closing and when things are bad, yeah. <laughs> opening up because that's what it is when <clears throat> when you are not when the business is not performing well, the owners are starting to cut corners. No, we can't buy a new dryer. No, we can't yeah. buy replace our microscope. No, we can't do this. And then but they're not explaining anybody why. And just recently, I saw it in the hospital. They started doing ridiculous things, like they wouldn't buy a new dryer, so they bought these cabinets where you hang the towels to dry, oh, but this air dry. Like the, 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 it's almost like the the time times twice a day times hours times like anyway, yeah, yeah. But it, but I it was crazy, and and all the staff kept talking with each other, and they're like, if things are not going well, tell us. We understand this is our job. Will be protective. Will be, but there's no buying because nobody's sharing. Because either they don't trust them. That's another aspect of it. So you're not gaining leadership with that because you don't trust your people, or you think they're stupid. And that's what a lot of people think. Yeah. But in exchange, what you get, let's play that way. Let's say they're stupid and they're not. But then when you show stupid people how much money is going into the bank without explaining yeah. expenses and how much the salaries are, yeah. all they can think about that, we made $10,000 today. And whoever is the owner, put it right in their pocket. They they definitely right. never remember that they're paid, that the medications are bought, that there's rent to pay yeah. and everything else. So the only number that they see is we made $10,000, we made $20,000. It doesn't matter that we spend nine and a half out of 10 for expenses, but yes. that is the that is the thing that you need to focus on when you're talking about the finance with your team, and not to focus on what the profit was and other things. And and the other thing is that what I found, and it comes from the book you recommended to me, The Great Game of Business, which I really appreciate because it almost became as important as traction for me. What is interesting is how they allocated the bonuses to the team. And that really opened the whole new kind of chapter in my career <clears throat> because <clears throat> their system to uh, allocate bonuses is based on a set budget. And what is interesting, mm. because when everybody's thinking about the budget, every time we hear budget, it's about not spending money, not within our budget. Mm. This is not within our budget. Nobody ever uses the word budget in the vet clinics in terms of our budget to generate 
that much income. Our budget to spend yes. on this that much. So budget is not only expensive, mm. budget is how much we want to earn. And the reason why I thought mm. it was phenomenal in the great game of business is because you're setting the bonus. Uh, first of all, bonus is not a gift. The bonus is a reward. And if you want to financially motivate your team, you set the targets in your budget, how much you want to make. And then at that point, you need to educate your team on what is revenue. Everybody knows what's revenue because they know how much money is going into the till. But then you need to educate them on how much we spend to generate that revenue. And then you set the budget to a certain profitability. And the way it's almost like a hidden way to not talk about how much money the owners made. So let's say your clinic is call it 20% profitable, but you want to drive the team to perform better. So then therefore, let's say million, very square number. So million dollars in revenue, you spend $800,000 on salaries and rent and, you know, and cogs and everything else. You're in 20% profit, which is 200,000. But if you set that as your budget, then you explain to the team that that's where we want to get. And beyond that, you, you will all receive bonus. So essentially, you're explaining three simple numbers, revenue, expenses, and profit. Everything that you guys do over the profit is a bonus. So then people are not focusing on how much you make money in the profit, but how much they need mm. to make over that line to focus on their achievement, not yours. Interesting. Yeah. So you got that book much better than I did. I, the one thing I read, that I... I actually read it. <laughs> <laughs> I got ADHD, mate. I just like skim. Um, I get the essence, and then I just curse myself for not reading the whole thing. Um, one thing I thought was actually really quite, and I've implemented this several times now, is that you, they form part of setting the budget, but actually the budget doesn't really kind of land or get started until they've helped create the strategy to create the budget. And I thought that was magic because it's almost like they get to be part of and get bought into the game. Essentially, how do we make this happen? And one thing I saw happen at a hospital was that the nursing team were before, a while back before traction and stuff, they just, the nursing team was just given money and then they had to fit things in. But then the question flipped. It was like, okay, this is your budget. It's 16%. Well, that's an emergency. You could do whatever you like but it sits in that 16%. So once they knew that number and then they understood what was part and went into it, then they, they were able to sit down as a team and then figure out how to, how to roster better. If they wanted something, then they would roster better and then they were all part of creating, this, uh, creating the, the plan or the strategy towards actually reaching this number. Um, and I, that was a big shift in terms of financial literacy and then being involved in or empowered with hitting that, that number. So you touched on a really uh, important thing of the financial side of management is the, it's essentially KPIs. So the metrics, you can't really achieve, if you set the budget, even if you're setting the budget, which 95% of engineers don't do, because at the beginning of the year, you do want to set, I want the revenue to be this, and I want the profit to be this. And you're right, through great game of business, you're setting the budget but it's interesting how it's done there again you're not talking about the profitability of the company you're talking about what bonus do you guys want to receive and then essentially you're saying our budget is set is this it's a 20 percent profitability and then but how much money do you want to make in this year 
on top of your salary. So there's salaries, but what is that bonus that we want to split at the end of the year? And it becomes a really cool exercise where the team can say, okay, we want to split $20,000 altogether. And then you need to set sort of, you know, the guidelines and say, yes, that's realistic, maybe, or, you know what, no, you can shoot higher, $30,000. Everybody gets excited. And then you say, okay, out of $30,000, then in the first month, if we're doing, you know, four quarters, then that's seven and a half thousand dollars that we want to split between us. And then you ask them, how are we going to do it? Just like you said, and then everybody's developing strategies. And the cool thing about it is because you get to every level of the organization. You talk to receptionists and you say, how do you think we can increase the revenue and profitability up front? They may come up with a better check-in process, with better management of the exam rooms. How do they handle the checkout process to facilitate the efficiency? And then they take on that and then they own it. Then you talk to technicians and you say, okay, well, how do you think we're going to achieve that number? So each group of people then owns a certain process that they can control. If I will tell my, you know, techs and say, hey, we need to increase our revenue, they're going to look at me like I have three heads because they have no idea how to increase revenue. But if you sit down and all together decide in the area of your expertise and the, that you can control, what can we do to improve this? Once they brainstorm themselves, you don't know better than them. Don't try to imagine it for them. Mm. So you ask them how they want to do it. And then after they all agree and decide, okay, that's what we're going to try. We're going to try flipping the rooms differently. <clears throat> we're going to start checking patients in in the room and then immediately put them back into reception. So they we will go the, over the medication in the reception area because we need to flip the rooms faster. Okay, you do that. Mm. And then what that becomes, and which I thought the most phenomenal thing of Great Game of Business is that you set the budget and then you agreed on the targets with your staff that you then check weekly on your weekly meetings, whether you're achieving those, and then they commit it to a forecast. And that's an incredible thing because essentially you have the budget and then the team is committing to a forecast with the specific tactics how to get there and they own accountability to get there because every week you're mm. you're then checking on the metrics and say okay well we want it to be at $25,000 this week and we're at 23 mm. let's dig in why are we not there and then you go with the five whys and you know why didn't we get to it okay because we couldn't process the rooms faster well why we couldn't process the rooms faster well because Dr. Iman is uh, leaving people in the room and then while he's doing diagnostics. Okay, so Dr. Ivan is an idiot, so let's tell him to kick out people from the exam room. All of a sudden, the team that actually is responsible for the process helps the forecast meet the budget. And forecasting and budgeting is the most difficult and boring thing in the finance. But when you're doing it this way as a team, everybody participates without knowing those two boring words which is incredible. Mm. So that's that's why Great Game of Business is so effective. Yeah. I, I, I never saw a team rally around a number like that before. Yeah, as I said before, it's like they when you see them kind of chunk things and look at um, inventory costs and they look at, you know, the, the amount of hours and overlap and how they can shave things out of checklists and remove redundancy and there's something in this list because it happened once 10 years ago and, they never want it to happen again, but it's a one in 20,000 kind of error that was a random chance, but then now it slows down every every anesthetic by five minutes. Like it's just, it shifts their perspective. And what I like about it is essentially streamlines efficiency process. And if it's done right, essentially, and if they do it right, 
and they go through, um, well, one, you're ticking the balanced scorecard, right? You're, you're, you're building and developing team knowledge and skills that builds engagement. The fact that they actually get to contribute towards the strategy is great, right? Then that means that they got to look at improving business efficiencies and processes that ideally then results in consistent high-level client experience and patient care and then financial um, return or financial revenue. And it's, it's kind of like a, a much better way of experiencing it for them. That's exactly it. And and the interesting thing is that the, the key, I think, is in several components. As a leader and as an owner of the business, you need to be intentional about creating the budget, the forecast, and, and educate. That's your job. As a business owner, that's your job to create it, to have a background in it, and then explain to the team and have the why inside of those numbers. Because if there's nothing to to them and they're still getting their 20 bucks an hour, I don't care how you're dealing with your finances. But once there's something in it for them, then you created your budget, you have the target and the goal for them to achieve that bonus. And then on top of that, you're creating the metric that drives that particular number. So for example, we had too much overtime. So the typical conversations that I can see with uh, you know a lot of clinics, the manager would come in and say, hey, too much overtime, everybody clock out and leave on time. And when it's not busy, go home. That's very typical type of management of veterinary hospital. We went a little bit different about it. We said, in order to facilitate full operations of the hospital, we need that many hours of technicians and assistants, and it translates in that much payroll every two weeks because we do payroll every two weeks. So it was like twelve, twelve and a half thousand dollars. So that became our metric that we look at every two weeks. On we have a weekly meeting, all hospital looking at metrics every week. But this number comes to the metrics every two weeks because payroll is every two weeks. And then instead of saying, Susie, you're staying too much, you have too much overtime, we just say, oh, our number is 13 and a half and our normal is 12 and a half. Let's drop it into the IDS section. So identify, discuss and solve of the traction level 10 meeting and let's dig in. And you're not pointing fingers. You're not saying someone, someone. You just say, hey, guys, this number is over. How can we solve for it? And then people will self-identify, they will switch the schedule, they will work around it, but they will come up, don't solve it for them, don't send people home. You have the budget to basically, that's again, comes from the budget. If you don't know the numbers you should be at, then you'll be just saying, well, it's not busy, go home, which is the worst thing. I don't understand how can even clinics do that. And if it's not busy, it's a different problem that you have. You have problem with marketing. So if you don't have enough people, this is another thing that a lot of uh, hospitals will do where you are on production and they will say, we're not making enough money because there's not enough patients. Therefore, you know, that's your problem. The only, if you have employees, if you don't have partners in the business, if everybody is hired and you're the only owner, it is your job and responsibility to fill in the schedule where you hired your people to work within. So if you have <laughs> not enough patients, that's not their problem. You need to double down on marketing, find out why do you not have enough patients, or maybe you need to trim the team, but not fluctuate on a daily basis and send people home. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Financial insecurity. Financial insecurity is probably one of the biggest causes of stress. Drops in engagement, reduction, like lack of trust, 
You're absolutely right. And this is one of the biggest causes of burnout. So when people are thinking about this, is it's interesting because in one of our clinics, when we started talking about financial literacy and motivating team, uh, teams, they said, well, that doesn't allow align with our burnout prevention strategy, which is not true. Burnout doesn't come from productive work when you're engaged. Burnout comes from toxic environment, poor management, and then pushing people to work hard within that environment. But if everybody's on the same page, aligned and inspired, then there's going to be no burnout. Okay. But that was, that was a, actually, I learned a lot from that. Seeing you do some magical things with fundraising and, and bringing money and budgets together and things. But uh, I learned a bit more about great game of business just then about that, uh, listening to you then. That's the only time I'm going to give you any um, praise. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll take it. And <laughs> let's uh, talk more about maybe KPIs and metrics next time. Cheers, man. Mm, okay, guys, as well. See you guys.